What's up, y'all? Zach for Living Corporate, and yo, it is October. Y'all, it is October, dog. I swear, I feel like I looked up, um, and it just popped up to be in October. Like, honestly, my birthday's passed. I didn't really do a big birthday now, so I'm not really like that. Uh, but shout out to the Virgos. Ah, um, and um, and shout out definitely to all the Virgos born on September the 4th, because that's like the best Virgo day. You know what I'm saying? I consider myself a super Virgo. Virgo. For those who are like long-term listeners of the show, y'all know that Beyonce and I share a birthday. Um, so I'm just thankful. You know, I'm looking back at this year. We're coming up in the fourth quarter and a lot of dope stuff happening with Living Corporate. I mean, honestly, like we're going to probably, we'll do a state of the state of the union type message probably towards the end of the year. But really excited about, you know, our partners, excited about our campaigns that we have going right now, excited about the variety of brands and just individuals that we're able to work with on a day to day basis to continue to bring real talk in the corporate world. You know, diversity, equity, inclusion continues to fall out of favor. Folks are really um, using all manner of excuses to uh, not center and amplify historically marginalized voices. And we're really just seeing this like huge uh, white lash to efforts uh, to make the workplace more fair. And that's not going to change. I think the other part that is not going to change is that Living Corporate is going to be here, right? We started this in 2018. And I remember back in 2018 telling people about like what Living Corporate is about. And at that point, our scope was very narrow. So we were focused on just centering and amplifying black voices. We did not expand until like really centering and amplifying all marginalized, marginalized experiences until like 2019. But still like definitely when I told people, Hey, this is a show about centering <laughs> black voices. Other black executives were like, uh, okay. And your job lets you do that. Like everyone said that. Right. And even as we expanded to just saying, Hey, just marginalized experience period. Right. Like non straight cis white men we want to center and amplify those experiences even that kind of met with skepticism then george ford's murder happened and all of a sudden everyone cares about black folks again everyone cares about brown people again everyone cares about every other marginalized group again um you know all these grifters show up and start trying to hit a lick using dei as a a bunch of buzzwords to do a workshop where they make way more uh, harm do way more harm than good and so we're in this new space, right? Where there's a lot of people right now who are nervous trying to figure out how do they navigate and what do they do? And for us at Living Corporate, it's about honoring our purpose and our our mission, right? We're not going to stop being that point of connection between organizations that want to engage historically marginalized experiences and people and those people who are looking for opportunities to be engaged by, by those brands, right? So if that's your internal engagement, employee experience work, if that's your external brand and storytelling, we have a variety of solutions to then help drive to those goals between our e-learning platform, our organizational assessment capabilities, our proven storytelling and campaigning capabilities. We're passionate about bringing those two groups together, be they existing employees or talent that you want to engage. We're excited to partner with brands who value who value engaging and retaining talent. Like your organization is not going to exist without talent. I know artificial chat GPT got y'all messed up. Really chat GPT got y'all thinking that y'all can just make magical uh, Negroes, 
right? ChatGPT <laughs> got your thinking. You can just automate everything. Um, listen, y'all, we're not there yet. I don't think we're ever going to get there. But you know what? That's a part for another day. Look, all this being said, I'm so appreciative um, of um, of just the relationships that Living Corp has been able to build over the years. Uh, I want to shout out uh, Desiree Peter Campbell um, and Associates. Um, I want to shout out the work uh, that she does every day uh, to really bring thoughtful, powerful leaders into the spotlight. And I'm thankful and honored that Living Corp has been able to partner with her, with her firm, and um, and just the discussion we've been able to ha- we've been able to have. And so, you know, today we're actually sitting down with Danita Johnson. Danita Johnson is currently the president of business operations um, of uh, DC United. Okay. Now, look, Danita has come from incredible, incredible background, right? I mean, like, truly, we'll get into it. I'm not even going to, I'm not about to sit back and belabor the point by, like, even talking too crazy about it right here. Just, I just want to say, y'all need to make sure that y'all strap in. We have a phenomenal conversation, very fun, super dope talking about her journey and the ways that organizations can support uh, black and brown women, more broadly, women of color um, in the sports business industry right her journey is incredible it's inspirational um the the organizations that she was able to touch and not just kind of like pass by but really lead just outright spectacular and so i want to make sure y'all make the time to listen to this conversation that's what we're going to listen to next let's see you in a minute Danita, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm wonderful. How are you? You know what? I'm going to say I'm wonderful also. Listen, we're here for a good time, not a super long time. We're going to get straight into it. Now, look, <laughs> you, uh, you've you been you've been in this space, sports industry and entertainment now for over 15 years. Um, your latest stop, your latest role is as the president of business operations at DC United. But you were the president and CEO of Los Angeles Sparks. Before that, you were at the LA Clippers. Like you... You've been moving, right? Like, <laughs> why this industry for you? Yeah. You know, sports is magical, right? You remember even like during the pandemic when everything was down, all people crave for was like entertainment and sports. It brings people together. It's entertaining. You never know what's going to happen. It's unpredictable. And it is the beauty of that that happens like on the field and on the court that excites me. But even behind the scenes, the business itself has just as much excitement. No day is like the last. There's some repetitive things, but because the industry is so fast moving and it's so versatile, it's dynamic. So for me, it keeps my mind moving. Um, it keeps me energized and motivated on a daily basis. You talk about you talk about the industry and things changing all the time, right? And I would imagine with that, you there's also has to be some adaptation for you. Again, we talked about the fact that you've been in this space for a decade, over a decade and a half. Where where would you say you've had to adapt and grow the most as you've I'm gonna say go glo- gone glory to glory to each of these incredibly high profile C suite level roles? I think it's. You know, it is a people first type of industry, whether it's the players, whether it's the front office folks, the staff, it's about like how you adjust and bring people together. It's like a unification even on the business side. 
So I think one of the things that I always have to think about and like my mind is always going is like, how do I engage with people? How do I work with people? Because they help move the business forward. And, and so I think that's one of the things that becomes, sometimes people get lost and don't understand that element. But I think being able to connect, listen and learn is so important uh, when it comes to like moving in this industry. Um, things that I encounter is like, I'm always learning. I'm not afraid. I don't know it all. I know some things really well, <laughs> of course, but I don't know it all. And like, I like to put smart people at the table and we get to collaborate to make beautiful work. So, you know, when you talk about you don't know it all, you like to put smart people at the table. That's dope. Cause I'm going to say it's interesting. Now we do not have a lot of folks that we've interviewed like within the sports industry, sports entertainment industry specifically. Um, I would say like in corporate America, like it's easy to get into this, like an insecure space. Right. So it's like this idea of like, well, I need to be the smartest person in the room and, or I need to, I need everyone to know that everything needs to come through me. I need to be the funnel by which everything passes through. Um, how did you ever navigate or have any challenges with feeling like, okay, how do I make sure that I prove that I'm still worthy of being this table, even with the other people with their own specific skill sets that may be different than mine? Like, what is that? Yeah. How have you had to, how, if at all, have you had to navigate that? Absolutely. I'm going to use a real good sports analogy in this, right? Like there's parts of business that are individual sport and there are parts of business that are team sport. Okay. Early on in your career, when you're like, let's say you're a salesperson and you're on the phone, right? That's like you playing tennis, individual tennis. It's about your strengths, your weaknesses that help get you to the next level of the game, right? That take you on to win like, you know, big tournaments and things of that nature. And there are parts of your career where you are on a team and you're playing five on five. And so when you're managing and you're leading and things of that nature, your team spirit comes into play. I think you have to mentally be able to understand the differentiation in those moments to accelerate. And so there's times where you got to be an individual player and you got to hone in and lock in. And there's times where you shift to team mode. And so when you talk about like that moment where you're like, do I need to prove myself more? Do I need to, you know, you have to understand when you're playing with the team and when you're in the individual sport. And I think there's moments in your career that really happen in that way. So let's talk about that, like, you know, moments in your career, because, you know, you know, again, you know, slouch in this space, uh, 40 under 40, uh, this class 2023, like, at what point did you realize, you know, like, I'm really hurt, like, I'm outside, like, y'all not really touching me in my, because <laughs> I'm, I'm confident you've had at least 12 of those moments. So, like, just give me, like, one of them, like, your, your most yeah. prominent one. I mean, the 40 under 40 was definitely one of those moments, like, like getting the 40 under 40 to me was something that when I was 18 years old and I remember looking at Sports Business Journal in college and saying, I'm going to be in that. And so that moment getting into that class is a true recognition of, I didn't get there by myself, but I got there. Does that make sense? Like I got there. Even though I had help along the way, I got up every day and did what I needed to do. So that's probably my biggest like, okay, you did it. That to me of all the things of like, just like that individual type of thing. It's definitely that, you know, we're seeing more and more, we're seeing black women uh, continue to uh, enhance and grow their profiles in the sports and entertainment space. Um, I'm, I'm curious, like, where do you, 
or what moments because really honestly what you just said about you got there like it was you you had help along the way but it was you who ultimately crossed that finish line to get to that place to, to that point of recognition i'm curious like if you were to like look at your own career as a black woman in this like highly male white dominated space what moments could you point to from a position of like sponsorship and support that you could say that really got me to the next level that really was a was a was a was a moment for me that helped me get to where i need to go you know they always talk about like how you see examples in your life it had to be one of my biggest examples is when i went to go work for the la sparks this is before i was the president for the sparks i went in as like the vp of ticket sales and service it was the first time i ever had like our ownership group was African-American, like a good portion of them. So that was under the, like, the Magic Johnson Enterprises group uh, in Guggenheim. And to be in that space with them and see what they've created, not only in sports, but in so many other industries, it kind of takes the ceilings away, right? And in addition to that, I had two strong female leaders in my career that I worked under, um, Laura May Chalette and then uh, Christine Simmons when I was in early in my career and then later in my career. And those were the only two times I had like women leading me. And so I had plenty of men leading me that were great. I wouldn't be here without them. But being able to work under female leadership also helped me believe I could too. What is it in some of the leadership that you've experienced that you are inspired to emulate for those coming behind you? Yeah, um, I like compassion. I think it's important. Um, I like drivers too, right? Like I like that aggressive feature of this work and like to be able to push people. Um, and then I like it in a way where they don't even know what's happening and they wake up and they're like, I'm different than I was the day before, right? Like that magic where you're like, man, this person really impacted me. Um, so those are things that I like and, and like things that push me. But I think two things I always say, consistency and communication are so important in everything that we do. Um, and being in that rhythm of the work really helps to accelerate you. You know, we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about your most, your, your current role, president of business operation, DC United. Um, but, but before that, I really want to talk about the fact that, you know, in 2016, I'm sorry, um, you, you went from, uh, the Washington mystics to the sparks. Then you went to the Clippers and then came back to the sparks. Like talk to me about that boomerang and like, what was the what was the catalyst to exit? And then what was mm -hmm. the catalyst to Boomerang? Yeah. So when I went from D.C. to L.A., the catalyst that got me to really take that next leap was the fact that I knew it was a rebuild. I like projects. I don't know. I torture myself in these moments, I guess. But I love a good project to build business. So that was that first catalyst. When I went from the Sparks to the Clippers, it was at a point for me professionally where I did what I needed to do with the Sparks, where in that role that I was in as the second in command, it was like, how much further do you go? Right. And it wasn't like I was moving to the president seat. We had a president at that time. She was phenomenal in what she was doing. So to go to the Clippers was like, let me go back to my NBA roots. Right. Let me get back into the game, go back to the big four and really start to accelerate and when I was there, I kind of talked about those glass ceilings, going back around the NBA, the things they do, how they show up, the confidence when you walk in that room, you know, it just gives you that extra oomph. And so 
I, I was gaining that in my experience at the Clippers. The quicker exit out of that came through the fact of it was the president's seat on the table. And I remember debating it and being like, do I do this? Do I not? You know, I'm in a really good position. As you know, the Intuit Dome is about to open with the Clippers. I would have stayed through all of that. But there was just something that said, well, let's just go back and finish what you started. That was literally the last thing I said to them. I said, we're just going to finish what we started. And finishing what we started was me leading the way for that organization um, and kind of getting my final touch on it. And that's what I got to do. And I had spent so much time in the WNBA. It was an absolute honor to lead a WNBA franchise. I had given so much of my career in that it meant so much to me as a woman and for the time I had spent around the league and the inspiration it had given me professionally and personally that it was almost like a call of duty. Like you show up in this moment. You talk about, you say you like drivers, you like like some the level of intensity. You know, I have a few folks in my network who um, have been like coaches and or specialists who've worked with NBA talent and just like perfect, like, or just, and really just like professional athletes kind of either like off season, helping them drill, whatever the case is. And one of the things they tell me is like the egos at that level are larger than you can imagine. Right. I'm curious, like I, if I'm wrong, tell me, I would imagine that some of that maybe bleed into just like the culture of the space of the industry. And if so, what does it look like to like manage your ego and wield it for good um, and so, and, and that you don't kind of get away from yourself a little bit. It's so funny. I literally had this conversation with my mother yesterday because she always tells me, she says, you walk around like you're so basic and none of this really matters. Half the time. <laughs> so she tells, she's like, you're not phased by any of this. And I say, because one, it's a blessing. Two, I feel like I live in my calling. So it doesn't need to be above me or below me. I walk in the faith of what I'm supposed to be on a daily basis. And the other part is this can all be gone tomorrow. And so for me, I think it keeps me in a humble place to know that I always need to continue to work for what I want. I can reach pinnacles. I can get the titles. I can do these things, right? But if I ever stopped doing what I did to get here, how do I maintain it? And so I think that keeps me humble. I think that keeps me grounded. There's more things I am probably more particular about now, rightfully so. (laughs) But at the end of the day, I still get to be myself, right? And I feel like that's what got me this far. And if I lose that and my ego gets in the way, then I'm going to lose what I've worked so hard to gain. And so a lot of that times, I think people's egos step into these rooms and they forget, yes, they worked hard to get to that place. But to maintain that place, there's a sense of kindness that needs to come through in what you do. And I think there's a balance to that. Now, let me preface to say, I am not pocket watching. However, <laughs> I'm about to ask some pocket watching type questions. Oh my okay. gosh. All right. Okay, let's go. All right. So you've been in these C-suite positions, positions for a while. You got some big brands next to you. I'm sure at some point you got your first bag. Like you were like, oh snap, I, mean, I got I got more. I'm breaded. The carbs are different now. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm quite, quite, my question is, what did you do? What is like the first nice thing you bought for yourself not for your mom not like for what is the first nice thing you bought for you it's a good question i am a traveler so first thing i did outside of i'm super like 
type A responsible. So I did buy a place. I bought a home. Okay. That's one. But outside of that, I'm a traveler. And the first, like, I think it was like the nicer thing I did to myself. I went on a solo trip to Bali and I literally like booked it the week before. And I said, I'm going. And I booked my stays. I was there for like 10 days. And it was one of the best things I've ever done for myself. That sounds awesome. And see, you know what? It's funny. That's eerie because we're now you're not like you're not a Virgo, are you? I am a Virgo. I'm a Virgo too. So you said type well, A, very responsible. And so yes. that's funny because that's the that's the first thing I bought. To, I bought a house. So like, because I, yeah. I was like, oh, that makes a lot. Yeah. I was like, yeah, because that's what I would do too. And I, I was like, that's what yeah. I did. So, but no, the trip is fire. Okay. That's cool. Now look. Um, and then of course some shoes, but that's different. So, so say it again. Some shoes. Some course, shoes. But, okay. I thought you said yeah. some juice. I was like, oh, because I like, I'm a big juice fanatic too. What kind of shoes? <laughs> <laughs> I bought some good shoes. Okay. I got you. I was, now, are you sne- sneakerhead or are you talking about heels? I love heels, um, but I do love sneakers too. Yeah. I would imagine um, so. Like, I mean, yeah. like, especially like when you were like, I mean, when you're in the, the NBA and WNBA, I would imagine like you probably had your pick of the litter getting all types of exclusives and stuff. Am I, I used wrong? To have really good sneakers. Like I plus I used to, when I was in high school, I worked in a sneaker store. See, there you go. So I, I used to, I grew up working in a sneaker store. So I had I was it was a problem, but I'm better now. Now look, we and I you and I are gonna have to talk <laughs> off off mic because my challenge and this is so crazy because you when when I pause and think about it, it's like this of all the shoes that I should be able to get in my size, it should be sneakers. So I wear a fourteen. It's really okay. hard to go to the store. Yeah. Right. To the point, honestly, where I'm just like, then I'll just be like, hey, I wear 14. Just go in the back and bring me out. I don't even just search. No give more. me your options. Just give me your options. I used to do that. People for people when I worked at the sneaker store, they'd be like, just give me your options. Just give me your options. Side. It's so ridiculous. Yeah. Now, I've, I've since learned how the Internet works. So I, you know, I get my shoes from there. But all that being said, listen, before we let you go, I got to talk to you a little bit about, you know, you are you are a star. You're a superstar. You sit in this space. You've been you've been incredibly successful. There are plenty of other black women who are who are in this industry who've tried, who've worked. Things maybe didn't work out the right way, um, or the way that they would have wanted. I'm curious, like, what do you think this industry can do better to support and advocate for the careers of black women? Oh yeah, you know what? It's funny. I literally had this conversation with somebody two days ago. This this is a, a like a good question. We have got to, not only our Black women, but all of our minorities, our Latinos, everybody, right? We are not supporting them enough for success within roles. I think a lot of things, like culturally, for many of like our diverse backgrounds, we're survivors. There's always something we've either overcome or challenges that we've been through, right? And because of that, we get into these opportunities where we know how to survive. But what we need is support to thrive. And we need actual support mechanisms, whether it's through coaching, whether it's through additional courses, things of that nature, that when you get in the role, great. It doesn't mean you can't do it, but sometimes we do need support to be successful within that. And I think if we can better build systems to support people in mid-tier management, development, um, upper management, I think it really does help to drive success. You know, to your point, right? Like, I I agree. Like, there's plenty of studies and research out there that shows like black and brown historically marginalized employees, like they all really push and get to that mid level manager or even like that junior executive, and it kind of just fizzles out from there, right? Because at that point, 
you're so burnt out from all the survivorship you've had to go through and or you just don't have the resources and sponsorship you need like your counterparts do that you stop. So I think that's that, that's that's incredibly because it changes the work changes. It's kind of like what I was talking about, like the, the individual versus the team. Right. Like there's levels to executive leadership and management and it evolves and like it's not easy to navigate. And you have to be really thoughtful and understanding and like we have to support people better to understand how to survive at that next level. And we miss the mark consistently. I, I would be I'd be remiss if we didn't pause for a second before we get out of here and talk about your current role. We talked about your journey. We talked about the Bali trip and the and the house and you know what I'm saying the the Jimmy Choo's or, or Red Bottoms or whatever you cop and I'm not in I'm not in your, your closet. Um Let's talk a little bit about this role, President Business Operation DC United. Why, why this opportunity, and what are you excited about between now and like just say like let's say like the next six to twelve months? Yeah, this opportunity was so interesting for me. One, it was a space I'd never been in. Obviously, I've been in sports. Moving into Major League Soccer, you know, at this the time I joined, I think the league was 25, 26 years old at that point. Um, it's a young league that is the biggest sport in the world. And what Major League has, Soccer has done on the investment and the future of Major League Soccer in the United States, I think is magnificent. From the individual builds of the stadiums that are soccer specific, so many new clubs joining. And so when, it, when I looked at this opportunity, I was like, I have oversight with stadium work and helping to like build out our stadium, having the opportunity to help magnify the club as we're getting ready for uh, World Cup coming up in 2026, which is right around the corner. It was like an acceleration period. And I like to look at work where I can have really big impact. And I felt like this is a time period within this league and this club to do that. In addition to it, coming back to D.C. within this market, we have the opportunity from an event standpoint to leverage so many um, events in our stadium at Audi Field, such as, you know, we host the Truth and Service Classic with Howard University. We're doing a Ghanaian friendly on October 14th here. Having that opportunity to do unique events that, you know, bring worlds and cultures together through sport and a beautiful in a beautiful city such as D.C., right in the heart of the city where we're located, really does create opportunity for change and integration in sport. And like that stuff is fun for me. And so those were things that really attracted me to the space. It was just different. Then this has been a, a f fire conversation. Um, <laughs> I'm, really, <laughs> I'm really excited about, I mean, look, first of all, you know, you're coming up on three years with DC United. So it's not like you just started. Um, I'm excited. I've been following um, MLS a little bit more. Um, Thank you. I mean, honestly, it's 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 just grown to your point. It's the largest. It's been the largest board in the world, and it's going to continue to grow. Um, and mm -hmm. so, I'm excited about all the work and, and the leadership that you're providing. Before I let you go, any parting words or shout outs? You know, thank you for having me. You know, and I I think my my parting words and to everybody listening, I think you know, do what you truly believe in, and it may not show up the next day, but keep working for it. Like, just do what you love. Find happiness and joy. This life is short. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. And and try to find that wherever you can, whether it's at work, whether it's at home. Balance. It's been Danita Johnson, president of Biz Operations at DC United. Your friend of the show. We look forward to having you back whenever you have the time. We'll talk to you later. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Peace.
and we are back. Yo, shout out to Danita Johnson. Shout out to Danita Johnson. Shout out to DC United. Listen, y'all, we're not stopping. I want to say one more time. A lot of these brands and people, you're going to see pivot away from uh, anything that would seem to upset any type of Apple cart. Living Corporate is here to do the work that we've been positioned and inspired to do. If you care about your employee experience, if you care about upskilling your leaders, if you care about understanding where your organization is from a maturity perspective, from a representation perspective, from a pay equity perspective, from a sentiment perspective, if you're looking to make sense of what's happening in your business and you're looking to figure out how you can make sure that your employees, your existing employees retain, or if you, Aaron, clean all this up. And if you're passionate about making sure that your employees, your existing employees stay and progress at your company, as well as you're att- you want to attract talent to your organization, Living Corporate is your partner. Living Corporate is your partner. All right. So we're going to continue to be here. We're going to continue to create super dope content. I want to thank everybody part of the Living Corporate Network. Make sure you give us five stars on Apple Podcast. Share this with your friends. Share this with your people. Till next time, I love y'all. Peace. Living Corporate is a podcast by Living Corporate LLC. Our logo was designed by David Dawkins. Our theme music was produced by Ken Brown. Additional music production by Antoine Franklin for Musical Elevation. Post-production is handled by Jeremy Jackson. Got a topic suggestion? Email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and living-corporate.com. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned.